Well, our God is invincible, and that's why we're here today. Uh, Today marks the 25th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. And uh, for those of us who uh, were either here or uh, had deep connections to Oklahoma, uh, that day forever changed our lives. And for those of you who may be watching cross-country and aren't familiar with what happened on that day at 9.02 a.m., a bomb went off in front of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building and uh, blew off the, the first third of the building. Let me throw that picture up on the screen for me. Many of you may have seen this iconic picture um, through the years. It was a, uh, a devastating blast. It was the, the biggest act of domestic terrorism that the United States had ever experienced, and it was a devastating day uh, in the life of our community. There were 168 people who lost their lives. And to put that in perspective, I think as of now, we may have lost uh, 140-some to the COVID-19 through the, the weeks that we've been dealing with that here in Oklahoma. But 168 people, including 19 children, were killed that day. Uh, here at Chartel, we were touched in a very personal way. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is Jill Randolph. Um, Jill was a, a 27-year-old, just a beautiful vibrant young lady. Um, We loved her dearly. She was just uh, lit up a room wherever she went. She was spunky. She was feisty. She was a hot mess in a lot of ways, but she was a sweetheart of a girl. Her family were actually our first babysitters that watched our our oldest son, Ben, for us. And Jill worked for the Federal Employees Credit Union and lost her life uh, in that bombing. any of you who have visited now in Oklahoma City, um, this is now what stands where the Alfred P. Murrah building was at. This is a, the memorial, the Oklahoma City Memorial. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful place. That building that you see on the far side there is the museum. And if you have not been through that, particularly if you live in Oklahoma City or Oklahoma, if you have not been through it, you have to go through that museum. It will absolutely take your breath away. Do it when you have lots of time and take lots of tissues with you. It is an incredibly moving but very insightful experience. That's a picture of Jill's chair um, that sits among there. There are large chairs for all the adults that um, were representing the adults that were killed in the bombing, and then small chairs for representing the children. And that's uh, at night view of, of Jill's chair. And, and today, um, our hearts go out to um, all of you who were directly affected by this. All of us and all of you who uh, had friends, family members uh, that were either uh, killed or injured, hundreds were injured in this as well. And it's moments like this that really take our breath away. And these are the moments when it calls upon us to really reach deep within, to find not just a, a normal faith for normal times, but it truly calls upon us to reach deeper for a tough faith for trying times. And that's what I want to talk about today, uh, particularly now as we are in the the throes of this uh, COVID-19 virus and we've been in quarantine now for several weeks and um, there's lots of fear, there's lots of struggle with our economy and lots of things going on. How do we find a faith for times like this. So today, for whatever you're going through, wherever you need that kind of faith, this message is for you. 
I want you to look at a passage of scripture with me. First Peter um, chapter one. And just for a little bit of context, I understand uh, as Peter was writing uh, his epistle, he was, he was not writing it to a group of people who had, were on easy street. He was writing to Christians who were um, being persecuted wherever they were. They were going through challenging times. And even for all we're going through, if you can imagine, they were being persecuted for their faith. Uh, people were being put to death. They were being uh, kicked out of their homes. All kinds of stuff that was happening to them. And Peter was trying to write words of encouragement to help them for such a time as this. And I want you to look at what, what he said. See, look how he, he starts out here. He goes, so be truly glad. Can you imagine that? Someone saying to you in the midst of a disaster, someone saying to you in the midst of chaos, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested like fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. Look at what he says. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Now, as I wrestled with this message this week, um, I kept coming back to what is it that I can give you that can really help you? Because I know a lot of us are, are shaken, uh, even today. Um, some of us not just from the remembrance of what happened 25 years ago, but from the stuff that we're in. A lot of us are anxious about our jobs. We're about our families, about people that we love. A lot of us, again, as we said this last week, are experiencing, have experienced death and so forth in our home. How, how in the world can we find some place to, to hold on to? What, what can we do when times of disaster hit? How do we really find that tough faith? That's what I want to talk about. And as I, as I was writing, I, I wrote these words and said, you know what? When, when disaster leaves you shaken, stand on the ledges of light. When disaster leaves you shaken, and, and what I was imagining in my mind was how this enveloping darkness comes in. And when it comes in, it's like, how do I, how do I, how do I find my way? Where, where can I go? And, and it began to dawn on me, you know what? You need to look for those ledges of light that you can stand on. And they say, okay, Pastor Steve, that's great. So how do I find those ledges of light? Glad that you asked. Let me give you four questions today that'll help you find those ledges of light. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the first question. Where do I see God working? Where do I see God working? In Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 28, uh, here, here are the words of the apostle Paul. Paul says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe that verse? Do you believe that in all things God is working? Not just in good times, not just when you're being blessed time, but do you really believe that even in times of, of disaster, that, that even in times of uh, pandi pandemic viruses, do you really believe that in, even in those times God is working? Do you believe that? Well, he is. 
Um, there's one of the one of the great stories I read just this last week. Um, as this this week through the news, they've been uh, telling a lot of the stories about. Uh, not, uh, the uh, Oklahoma City bombing and some of the things that happened, and they interviewed different people. And one of the one of the people that they interviewed, throw that picture up on the screen for me, um, is that Pastor Nick Harris. Um, pastor Harris uh, is now seventy nine years old. He's uh, still a pastor uh, here in Norman uh, at seventy nine. Uh, he was the pastor of the First Methodist Church in. Um, or that was right downtown across the street from the Alfred P. Murrah building when the bomb hit. And they were talking to him about this whole event and what took place. And he was talking about how he saw the hand of God in it. On that Wednesday morning, as he normally did, he got to the church early and he was scheduled for an 8.30 videotaping or radio taping actually. He did a weekly broadcast and his technician was coming in and they were going to do tape a couple radio sessions that would be broadcast later. And for the first time ever, for all the years I've been doing this, his technician had never been late. But on that particular day, he was late. He called in to say he was running behind and he would be later. So Pastor, uh, Pastor Harris, was, who was sitting in the sanctuary waiting when he got that word, he decided to walk around the building and visit with some of the other people in other parts of the building. And it was when he was in other parts of the building when the bomb went off. And as he reflected back on us, he went out and he saw what happened and, and he tried to help the people that were there. When he came back to his church building, he saw the sanctuary with all of the damage that had been done to the sanctuary and he realized that had his session gone on as, as it was supposed to, had, had it taken place, had they been doing the radio, he would have died uh, and his technician would have died and all the people who would have been helping them, there was a good chance that they would have been either severely hurt or would have been killed. It also happened that day that his son-in-law, who was a youth pastor, had called in and asked if he could come in later than day so he was not hurt. And an associate pastor named Craig Grishel, who's now the senior pastor at Life Church, um, had, was in seminary on Wednesday and so he wasn't there at well. And so Pastor, uh, pastor Harris said, you know what, in all of these things, as bad as this disaster was, if you look, you can see see the hand of God. And he was there. I love, this was a newspaper from right after the bombing had taken place. I love this. It says, the devil can't blast us out of our ministry. Don't you love that? The devil can't blast us out of our ministry. In times like this, in times of disaster, when people ask me the question, you know, Pastor Steve, where is God? Here's what I can tell you. If you look, you can find him. Um, it's been so interesting for me, again, through these weeks, I had a few different conversations with pastors this week, and we're talking about what's going on, and saying, you know, in spite of all the stuff that you see, you see the hand of God at work. Uh, you see people serving now who had never served before. You see people giving now who had never financially supported the church before. You, you see people seeking God now like they've never sought God before. It, it's so interesting. In fact, this week, uh, I had a, a, a couple of different opportunities opportunities to, uh, to talk to people who are not churchgoers, but had, they had reached out to us uh, you know, because they needed some help and in the op opportunity to talk with them, I had a chance to share with them, to bless them, and then to pray with them. People who, who really, that's not a part of their norm, it had an opportunity to be exposed now. Trust my heart with this. God is working. 
And I know for you, maybe these weeks have grown long and, and long, and maybe you have been wondering, where is God? Here's what I promise you. If you look, you'll find him. And when you find God working, that becomes one of those ledges of light that you can stand on. Let me give you another question you can ask that also becomes a ledge of light. Where do I see good happening? Where do I see good happening? As I was writing my notes for this message, I I wrote this statement down. Disasters remind us just how awful people can be. They also remind us how awesome they can be. You know, when you and I think about the Oklahoma City bombing, we, we can't even begin to imagine what goes into the heart of a man like Timothy McVeigh. Who could do this? Knowing that the body count would be high, knowing that innocent men, women, and children, no matter how you felt about the government, it wouldn't be government people, by and large, that would be hurt. It would be innocent citizens, and that's what happened. And it's, it's hard for us to understand how evil can overtake someone like that and how evil can so possess someone like that. But yet, isn't it true that in times of disaster or times like we're in right now in this COVID-19, isn't it true that it's also in those same times that you also see some of the best of humanity begin to rise to the surface? Um, again, when you go back to... Um, the, uh, the Oklahoma City bombing, um, one of the things that came out of that was what became known as the Oklahoma Standard. Because in response to the bombing, people stepped up. The state of Oklahoma came together, and people stepped up like they had never had before. It was absolutely incredible. There were waiting, uh, waiting lines. I mean, just lines and lines of people waiting to, to give blood. Uh, there were people coming out of the woodwork offering their assistance. There were, uh, there were firefighters and rescue workers who came from cross country. I know one of the pictures I saw this week, I tried to find it, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it anywhere. But it was a great picture in the video as they were talking about the bombing. You had a firefighter who, who had pulled his wallet out and held up a dollar. He, he's showing it to someone. He said, you see this? dollar. This is the dollar I came to Oklahoma City with. And he talked about how no one would let him spend any money anywhere that he, that he went, that, that people were watching, watching out for him. I, I, read a, I read an account. Somebody was writing up some of the stuff about this, and I just thought this was, was, was so unbelievable. They were talking about one of the, the victims from the Oklahoma City bombing um, who was killed and how her family uh, came to town for, to, to be there. And it was uh, several days, I think nine days before they found her body. And when they finally came, uh, they talked about how the city of Oklahoma City responded. And I, I want you to listen to this. It says, as terrible as the bombing was, it helped the people of Oklahoma City come together. Jane, that's not her real name, but Jane's car was damaged in the explosion. After repairs, the body shop marked the bill, no charge. As the family met with cemetery salespeople, the sales manager marked the paperwork paid in full. 
Jane's mother went to a florist to select a, a casket blanket. They wouldn't take any money, any money for it. A large chain store donated sandwich trays when they found out it was for the family of a bombing victim. A small dry cleaning shop wouldn't charge for their dry cleaning. A major corporation flew Jane's sister and her husband home in their corporate jet. And when the family left for the funeral, two motorcycle policemen were in front of their house to escort them. And over 600 people attended the funeral wanting to help any way that they could. Jane was one of the 168 people who died on a bright spring day in the bombing of Oklahoma City, but the outpouring of concern and help for Jane's family, it's typical of the kind of generosity that was shown to all victims and their families. And that became known as the Oklahoma Standard, and it began to become a defining moment for us as a state. And, you know, and that's what one of the, the, the ledges of light that you stand on is that you, you, begin to, you begin to find great places that you can see good people at work. And, and even in this COVID-19, uh, we've, seen, we've seen the same thing. In fact, throw that picture up on the screen for me. This is John Zutz. I thought this was so cool. This guy up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he's a, he's a landlord. And um, when these, this whole uh, pandemic came in in March and they knew they began to shut down things, he knew that a lot of his tenants were going to lose their jobs and, and not be able to pay rent. He went around and he pasted a, 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 a letter on every door telling all of the tenants that he had that for the month of April, they only owed $100 for their rent. $100. And he would cover the rest. And for those who didn't lose their jobs, he said, you know what? Spend that extra money in our community because we need that going in our economy. That was the kind of thing that, that you see. Throw that next picture up on the screen. I love this. Um, this is uh, Captain Tom Moore. Um, Tom was uh, in, he, he's from England. And uh, he had been in the hospital. He had had hip surgery and he had dealt with cancer. And when he got out, he decided when he got better, he wanted to do something to kind of reward the people in the hospital and do something for their cause. And uh, about that time, the pandemic broke out. And so this 99-year-old man, he turns 100 on April the 30th, <clears throat> this 99-year-old former captain from World War II decided that he would do 100 laps around his garden, which would come out to about 1.6 miles, that he would do 10 laps a day until he covered 100 laps. And he set up a little thing and he said, I'd like to just raise some money for our hospitals and give back to the healthcare and the nurses and the, the people who are taking care of us. And if you'd like to donate. And his goal was to raise $1,000 in his endeavor. And so he began and money began to pour in and pour in and pour in. As of this week, <laughs> can you believe this? He actually reached his goal. Throw that next slide up on the screen. That's uh, him with his family there um, after he reached his 100th lap. He finally finished on Thursday of this week. And as of Thursday, there was $2.2 million that had been donated to the causes of the hospitals and nurses because a 99-year-old man decided he wanted to step up and do something good for those who were doing good for others. And you know what? We, we see that. Um, we, we've seen in our own people, some of you who are watching this, some of you are among those people who have been running errands for people. You've been getting prescriptions. You've been getting groceries. You've been taking care of people who are, are, are older or people who are too sick to get out. And you, you've been doing <coughs> a lot of really, really cool stuff. Um, we had a couple of our ladies here in the church 
who have been making masks. Uh, you know, they talked about how they needed extra masks, and they were asking everybody to, to wear a mask. And a couple of our ladies have been making masks for, uh, for older citizens or people who could use them. And actually, um, they made one for me. And you can go ahead and post on your Facebook page. You can vote, do I look better or worse without the mask? And I know most of you are going to say better, and I'm going to ask God's wrath to come down on you as you do that. So, <laughs> but that's, we, I thank you for that. One of our ladies who made masks, made masks she made over, has made so far over 500 masks for our nursing homes. And those are just the kind of ways to see it. Now, I want, I just want, what I'm trying to say in all of this is sometimes we get so fixated on the disaster. Sometimes we get so fixed on the evil people. Sometimes we go get so fixed on the people who use times like this to gouge or to hoard or, or to be self-centered that we forget to look for those people where we see God's goodness flowing through them. If you look for the good, you will see them. And let that good that you see and the good things that those people do, look, let that be one of those ledges of light that you stand on to say, man, I am so thankful I know people like that. Let me give you a third question. This will help you find a ledge of light too. What do I have to be grateful for? What do I have to be grateful for? When Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Now, wherever you are, read this out loud with me. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, Look at me for a second. He's not talking about being thankful for the disaster, not being thankful for the bombing, not being thankful for the pandemic, but in the midst of the bombing, in the midst of, of the pandemic, in the midst of whatever it is that you are going through, can you find something to be thankful for? I'll bet you can. Um, also, this last week, in addition, we talked about some of the deaths that we had. Um, another one of our members uh, here at church, an uh, orthopedic surgeon by the name of Sean O'Brien. Uh, Sean was in a, an accident on his horse. Um, last week, he was uh, mounting up. He was going to ride his horse, and, and he got one foot in the, st the stirrup. And as he got to start it up, as he got on, the horse bolted and began to buck. like in a, He described it like in a rodeo, man, just kicking and kicking and kicking. And, and Sean was trying to you know, get himself up on the horse. And uh, as a result, he ended up getting thrown up in the air and slammed back down on the, on the saddle horn and eventually thrown from the horse and uh, when he finally uh, laid, as he, as he laid there for a while, and he began to to uh, make sure that he had his, uh, you know, he could move his hands and he could move his legs and all of that kind of stuff. When it was all said and done, you know, Sean ended up having to be transported to the hospital and eventually had surgery, and he he did suffer some rather severe uh, abdominal injuries and all of that. But it was interesting. Was this week um, I called Sean and, and we were we were talking. And we got talking about how thankful in circumstances like this you find yourself being. Now you think, well, how in the world can you be thankful for a horse bucking accident? Well, you're not thankful for it, but can you be thankful in it? I mean, let's rewind the tape for a second. 
Um, Sean did suffer some abdominal injuries, but one of the things he and I talked about was, you know, this could have been a lot worse. Uh, he could have suffered a, a, a substantial head injury. He could have been killed. Uh, he could have broken his back and been completely paralyzed. Uh, he could have severely damaged his hands and never been able to do surgery again. I mean, as, as, as severe as his injuries were, they could have been a lot worse. Um, his wife was home, and he was able to find his cell phone and call her, and she was able to come help him. And he, he could have been alone. Everybody could have been gone, and he could have, he could have been laying in the underground for who knows how long if his, if his wife would have been gone or they all would have been out of town. It, it, it could have been bad. Um, it, it, all these numbers of things, and you, you look at all of these things that happened, and you say, you know, it's bad, and it's not, it's not something you would wish on anybody. But in the midst of all of that, there is much to be grateful for. And you know what? I don't know what you're going through right now. And I don't know what all you may be facing, but there is a lot in any circumstance to be grateful. You know, last week um, we were talking. I, I, had, I got to call Thursday night that our buddy Ron Creasel had been rushed to the hospital. And by the time I got there and... Um, Ron had passed away. Uh, fortunately, uh, I had my mask and gloves on, and they, they allowed me to go into the room where his wife, Deanna, and son, Nathan, were at. And, and I was able to go in and, and try to be of some comfort to them and just stand there with my buddy, Ron, who I just loved. And I loved to tease him. We all loved to pick on Ron, and Ron loved to pick on people. And, and we stood there just, you know, reminiscing and and. You know, Deanna was, obviously, she was, she was heartbroken, and it was just so devastating for her. But she said, you know, she said, we, we had such a good day. And, um, and as we were talking, I said, you know, Deanna, think about it for a second. I said, as hard as this is, do you realize how good this is? You know, you had a really good day. You got to be with Ron. You guys just celebrated 60 years of marriage not long ago. You had 60 years together. Ron was 87. He had a good long life. He's had pretty good health, clear up till, you know, clear up to the end. I said, today, you guys had a great day together. You got to be together this afternoon. You got to have dinner together. You got to go out for a walk. And then he went out back and somewhere while he was out back, he either suffered a massive heart attack or something happened. And he walked out back and walked into the arms of God. And you know, that's not a bad day. There are a lot worse ways to die. Ron would have never wanted to have suffered for a long time or had something where he had an extended illness that would have caused great stress for Deanna. It's bad. It's hard. But even in circumstances like this, there's much to be thankful for. I was talking to my buddy Dave Foster, who his father passed away Thursday night as well. And when David was driving down yesterday to Oklahoma City from Wichita, he called me and we were talking and he said, you know, it was so funny. He said, I, I was, did talk to my dad earlier in the day and he was doing great and he was his whole, you know, same perky old self. And he said, I talked to mom. Mom said that, you know, sometime there in early evening, dad looked at her and said, you know, I'd like to get a milkshake from Brahms. And he said, I think dad even drove and he drove over, they drove over to Brahms and they went through the drive-through and got a milkshake. And he said, dad came back and he drank his milkshake and she, he told his wife, you know, what I think I'm going to sit in a recliner and take a nap and so he sat back in his recliner and sometime there while he sat in the recliner napping he he slipped into the arms of God 
And as Dave and I were talking, Dave said, you know, end it all with a milkshake and a nap in a lounge chair. That's not really a bad way to go. In the midst of disaster, in the midst of trying times like we find ourselves in, there really is much to be thankful for. In fact, I, I would challenge each and every one of you to just spend a few moments today not thinking about how hard this time is or what struggles you're facing. My challenge to you is be, why don't you just start making a list of all the things in your life that you have right now, today, to be grateful for. Let me give you one last thought this morning. You want to find a ledge of light? Ask this question. What scriptures can I grab hold of? What scriptures can I grab hold of? Um, I, I love it. Throw that slide up on the screen. This, uh, this is taken from uh, Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And I love this picture because it shows this uh, suffocating darkness. And yet, in the midst of this suffocating darkness, there's this ledge of light. And I, I love that because that's what God's word is. It is that lamp for our feet. It is that light for our path. The word of God really is that, that ledge of light that we can stand on. And that's exactly why God gave us his word. It's something that we can grab a hold of. It's our place to stand. I, I love this. Isaiah 41.10. Listen to this. He says, don't be afraid. Listen to the Lord speaking. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up by my victorious right hand. And you know what? We have all kinds of incredible promises like that. You know, even in times of death, even in times when this life does its worst against us and snuffs out our breath, you know what? For those of us who walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. I love how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see, <laughs> they will last forever. That, my friends, is a ledge of light. Well, this morning, I know there may be um, some of you who woke up and April 19th isn't your best day of the year. And I know you may be hurting. And I know today um, may bring back a lot of very sad and painful memories. And it's okay to grieve. It's okay to let the tears flow. It's okay to let the sorrow out. But as you 
grieve today. Do not grieve from a place of despair. Find yourself a ledge of light to stand on. Find yourself something that you can hold on to. So that as you grieve, you know this. God is holding on to you. And for those of you today who maybe this pandemic has been getting to you. Or maybe you're one of those who has lost their job. And you're wondering where in the world you're going to go from here. Maybe some of you have other disasters that are happening to you. And, and today you're back on your heels and you're saying, Pastor Steve, man, I am, I am in the midst of one of those incredibly trying times. I need some of that tough faith that you're talking about. In just a moment, I, I, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that the right hand of God will hold you up, that he will strengthen you that he will steady you. Rachel's going to lead us in a song. and it's, it's a beautiful song. It's actually one of my favorites. It's a song that just talks about how sometimes, you know, in the midst of storms, we just need to be still and recognize that he is God. Look at me, church. He's got you. He's got you right now in the palm of his hand. Father, I pray um, right now for each and every person watching from wherever they are that you would wrap your strong arms around them. Lord, I know for many of them their hearts are raging today. Uh, for many of them, they're filled with fear. They're filled with anxiety and worry. Lord, today as they uh, find themselves in this extremely difficult circumstance. They're, they're looking for something to hold on to. Father, I pray today that you will place before them a, a ledge of light that they can stand on, a place of hope that will fill their heart to overflowing. Lord, I pray right now for each and every person that you would put your hand upon their shoulder, that you would steady them, that you would strengthen them, that you would let them know today that you will never leave us, never forsake us, and that you are with us to the end of the age. Lord, today we remember. Remember 168 of our friends and family and community members that we lost 25 years ago. And even 25 years later, our, our hearts grow sad because we miss them. And we will probably never fully heal in this lifetime of that sadness. But Lord, we also want you to know our, our hope is strong. We want you to know, Father, that we declare today that no matter how evil this world becomes, that we have a God who is more holy than this world could ever become evil. We believe today that when this world does its very worst against us, that we can stand strong and steady and true. Lord Jesus, today we hold on to your promise. John 16, 
when he said, here on earth you will have trials and troubles. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Oh God, how we thank you today that in spite of the circumstance we find ourselves in, that we have a hope. And that hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And it's in that precious name that we pray today. Amen. Amen.